0: Welcome to the Century Church podcast with Dr. Patrick M. Quinn. You can find out more information about Century Church at www.century.church or download our app at the Apple or Google Play Store.
1: Hey, good morning Century Church family. My name is Patrick Quinn, lead pastor, and today I welcome you to the COVID rule, rediscovering what matters most in the third week of this series. And on this very special day in the life of so many of our guys, this is Father's Day. So happy Father's Day to all the amazing men, the amazing dads, the strong guys in our community that are raising up the next generation. Happy Father's Day. To you. But today we need to have a conversation as part of our sermon series. Today we need to have a conversation that I hope you men, as well as you women, will lean in and listen because I desperately today, more than ever, need you to hear a daddy's heart. And so on this special Father's Day, the title of the sermon is Alone Together. A conversation on race. And as we wade into this very difficult topic today, I want to let you have a little peek into something that was so earth-shattering for our staff this past week that we just want to invite you and the entire congregation to sit and listen to a very, very powerful story that happened for one of our staff earlier this week.
2: Hey Katina, I'm so glad that you would join me for a conversation because this past Tuesday, we had a staff meeting that was like none other that we've ever had before. I mean, our staff meetings usually go for an hour, maybe two, but this past Tuesday, it went for five hours and it was really one of the most powerful staff meetings that any of us had ever been a part of And it's centered around a story that you told right after our devotion and when you told this story it it cut to the heart of the matter of things that are going on in our world right now situations that we're all dealing with and seeing on the news cycles but what it did for us is it brought it right into our backyard and right to a family that is in our church your family that and how you're experiencing some of the race conversations, but how how you are dealing with it and how your children are dealing with it. And I know that there was a particular instance that you shared with us just this past week. And it was so powerful for our staff to hear that I wanted not only for our staff to hear it, but for our entire church family to hear it, to struggle with it a little, and to think about ways in which we can be the change in our community. And so, Katina, would you would you just share from your heart the story that, that happened this past week?
3: Yeah, well, every Saturday, since we've been in quarantine for the past three months, Saturday is the only day that my kids leave out of the house. And it's when we're delivering porch packets to our kids in the kids' ministry. And this is like their favorite day because they get to get out and they get to have a little fun. And we go to Chick fil A, and that's probably why they love it because I'm not cooking. But so we wake up. We go get breakfast, and we start on our journey in our community to deliver our porch packs. And because they don't get exercise, because TikTok doesn't count as exercise at home, <laughs> and so they normally time each other. One would drop a pack off on the porch, and they would time each other back to the car to see who was fastest. And this particular time, we had just started out and... Trey dropped a pack off on the porch, and he started running back to the car. And we're always laughing because it's so much fun. My kids have gotten so close doing this. And Trey was running back to the car. So I'm looking at Trinity. She's laughing. Trey's breathing hard. And the look on her face went from excitement and laughter to terror in an instant. And she said, Mom, please tell Trey to stop running because I don't want him to get shot. And it rocked me because the best day of the week for them turned into the worst day. That was the longest three hour drive that we've had in three months. And she was hurt and she was scared for her brother. She's only 13 and he's 16 and she was literally scared for his life for no reason at all. Normally we may have some dogs chasing them, but um, there were no dogs. There weren't even people out this day. So it it was nothing else. Cause when I saw that look on her face, my first thought is what's wrong. And when she said that it was the hardest mommy moment for me.
1: Yeah.
2: And so Trinity's obviously like all of us seeing all of the tension in our nation right now, hearing about it, witnessing it on the news, and watching a young mind digest that, seeing her 16-year-old brother run from a porch in our neighborhood, and the fear that, that comes over when you see something so close to home in, in, our, in our town. And uh, I can't imagine what that felt like for you but yet, Katina, you're one of the leaders in our church, and you lead our children so well, and we love you, and, and our community loves you, and we watch how you just instruct our children uh, in the ways of the Lord. And so give us a little glimpse into your world in that moment with that story. One of the reasons our staff meeting went so long is we were so enamored by it, and really in how you led your kids through that moment. And so we're all trying to lead our kids through this moment. So could you help us by sharing a little bit? What did you say? What did you do? What, how, did you, how did you help guide them through um, that moment when Trinity has that kind of feeling and experience?
3: Well, I had to explain to her that, you know, racism, it does exist. We know it exists. And it's very real. And so is the devil. And he wants to divide us and he wants to cause fear and anxiety in our hearts. You know, we've worked hard to try to build up a community and be a part of it. And we love our church and our church loves us. And for her to be fearful because of what's going on outside the world, you know, I told her that's the devil. But we have to remember that. God's number one commandment is for us to love each other. And the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy Mm. anything that we build that's good. And we cannot let fear and anxiety change what's in our hearts. And we can't let it change what we feel that are in other people's hearts. And I just wanted them to know that even though evil exists, it's up to us to change the world. It's up to us to change, help change people and their views.
2: Mm-hmm. So you know, much of our conversation on staff was not only about what our children uh, can learn from this and how we can how we can help our own kids, even even all of us on staff, our children. But then you know, what 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 can our church learn? What what can we do as a church family right now that would just move the needle? help in the conversation, be a light and be a witness right now. And so what would you tell the Century Church family uh, about how we can respond?
3: Well, I want my church family to help me raise my kids not to be afraid. I want to be able to help raise my church family's kids not to be afraid. And it's like you said, we have to look through each other's lenses in order to know what's really going on and to understand each other. If we're only looking through our eyes, we're only going to see it our way. And that's not what we do as a church family. That's not what we do as Christians. We have to look through each other's lenses and through Jesus' lens. And we cannot wait for politicians or the government to start to change things. We have to start right here at Century Church in Pike Road, Alabama, and we have to start now.
2: Yeah, I think um, for all of us on staff, that's why the meeting went for five hours how do we lead a church in this moment, in this time, when you have one of our own? I mean, the way we felt about it was this is one of our own and Trey is one of our own. He's he's just as much our son, Trinity, just as much our daughter as any other kid. And if we have a child feeling that way, how do we be the change, create the type of community for all of our kids to learn, grow together, and ultimately see this as a place where God's light shines. So, Katina, it's hard for you to share a story like that. And I really appreciate your time, your witness, and, uh, and you helping our church lead right now through a moment like this in our nation's history, because I do believe that we'll get to the other side together.
3: Well, thank you for letting me share my story.
2: That story from Katina is something that just rocked our staff to the core. And
1: I hope that you will struggle with it. I hope that you will have some conversations with your children about that particular story and for Trinity and, and Trey. Thank you for allowing your mother to share
2: that piece of your life with the rest of our church family that we can find ways forward that you and every other child has an opportunity to see the fullness of Jesus in our church family
1: and in our wider community. Well, today we are going to have a conversation on race and I hope that you will uh, lean in and that you will Uh, Listen carefully to the words that that I speak today. Uh, Today is Father's Day 2020, but in many ways it's the best and worst Father's Day I have experienced in two decades of fatherhood. And so the only way that I know to go about having a conversation about race in this exact moment is to share it through this lens and through this perspective You see, on July 15th of last year, 2019, my wife and I adopted two beautiful little girls that came into foster care into that system in Montgomery County here in Alabama. They were actually number 36 and 37 of the foster children to stay in our home over the past eight, nine years. In fact, number 38 and 39 are with us today as well. But today, on this Father's Day, it is like no other day for me ever, no other Father's Day, because it is my first to be a daddy to two black little girls. I came to that realization just recently as I watched all of the news coverage. That my father's days will forever change. Because now I am a daddy to both black and white children. And as our nation exploded recently with the murder of a black man by a white police officer, something happened inside of me that I still cannot completely explain. And so I have become very quiet. Still even somewhat silent in this moment. I have heard it said for years that God gave us one mouth and two ears so we can listen twice as much as we talk. So in this moment, I have taken this advice. And then, there is a time to speak. And that time to speak is right now, today. On Father's Day 2020, as I experienced my very first Father's Day with my adopted black little girls. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. once said the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. The true neighbor will risk his position, his prestige, And even his life for the welfare of others. So, listen to me today, church. I have two little girls that are now depending on me, their daddy, to stand up for them, to fight for them, and to speak for them. And I looked into their bedroom one night recently after watching all the protests and the riots on the news, and I found myself deeply moved to tears, and I fell to my knees and prayed in their bedroom. It's so interesting, when I go to the Lord in prayer, I never know what might come of my prayers as God moves me through that divine conversation. But on this night, it was so clear as words formed and came out of my mouth. Give me their eyes to see. Give me their ears to hear. I didn't want to hear as a white man. I wanted to hear as two black little girls. And I prayed, help me God, to help them in this world that is still so broken. And in that moment, I feel like God got me up off of my knees. And I literally heard these words like, God saying to me, I wasn't just inviting them into your white world, Patrick. I was inviting you into their black world. Now, today we need to open up the Bible and we need to hear these words because there's a lot that is going on in our world today and if we're going to get to the other side together both black and white, We need to cut through all of the noise and to hear the gospel plain and clear. We need to struggle with it. We need to be challenged by it. We need to be convicted. And so in Galatians chapter 4 is where we've been spending our time as Paul writes a letter with his deep concern for the church at Galatia. For those Galatians that had come into a full relationship with Jesus Christ and yet found themselves backsliding, found themselves adopting false teachings and traditions and listening to voices and being a part of cultural norms that were no longer part of what it meant to be a faithful follower of Jesus. And so I want you to hear these words today from Galatians chapter 4 when Paul writes this. He says, Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. Did you hear that today? It says that they want, they want, what they want is to alienate you from us. To alienate you, to divide in order that they might conquer And I have to tell you that right now in my family, that's what it has felt like in such a way as a transracial family is that this is a moment when our country is once again being divided, ripped apart at the seams that black and white are being pitted against one another. And and I'm sitting in this conversation in the middle of it, trying to make sense of it. (laughs) Maybe rediscovering what matters most out of COVID-19 is that we are alone, but we are together. Together that we are alone, quarantined in many ways, wearing masks, can't shake hands, can't hug, can't touch, but we are still together. And to not let this moment alienate us, Paul urges the congregation there, don't let the noise of today alienate you from the future you have with Jesus tomorrow. And I would say the same to you today as a pastor, don't let the noise of this world alienate you. But we need to get real with some truth today. And the truth is this. Racism exists. Racism is a plague that affects us all. It's a disease that rots away the soul. For much of my life, I have looked at this particular topic through my lens. My white male lens And as hard as it has been for me to admit, I am just beginning to understand the full implications of racism as a system into which I was socialized. It is less about individual hate-filled acts. I've never really had that feeling in my whole entire life. And so much of my experience has been living in a little bit of doubt of racism and its pervasive weed. That grows into every human heart. It's less about hate-filled acts toward people of color and more about a system. A system that continues to prop up residual racism. So every day right now, I have been working to become more self-aware. It's taken me a while to get to this point, even in our church family, because my heart and my desire has been no more superficial statements. No more deceiving myself and pretending it was just the previous generation. It was just the previous generation's problem that that was solved. No, today I tell you, I have work to do. And I would challenge and say, we have work to do. And that the church must and can lead the way in this conversation for our generation. I've heard it said before that the loveliest trick of the devil is to persuade you that he does not exist. For many white people, this could be said about racism. And I know that that's hard for people that are white to hear. And I have been reading some books lately that have been helping me digest and reanalyze, and to look through my daughter's eyes. Books like Urban Apologetics by Christopher Brooks. I've been reading through White Fragility, why it is so hard for white people to talk about racism. And then maybe one of my favorites lately, White Parents, Black Children Experiencing Transracial Adoption. See, what I am seeking to do Is to put down my lens as much as humanly possible for a moment in time. Maybe for a lifetime, if God would will it. And to pick up others' lens. And see, Janiah and Maya James, they have given me a great gift. That four-year-old and three-year-old smiles and hugs and kisses. The way that they run up to me just a few days ago and one of them said, you're the best daddy ever. The way that Janiah runs up to me and identifies one of the darkest freckles on my skin and puts it up next to hers and says, see daddy, you're black too. And yet at the same time, Maya James, who's the darkest one in our house, announces, oh, that's okay, I'm white. But there will come a day when they realize fully who they are, they will grow from these beautiful little girls into black women in our culture and into our world. And they are giving me the opportunity to live the rest of my days seeing with their eyes, a world that is honestly foreign to me. So I want to tell you today, I look forward to the challenge to embracing new norms, to sharing in black culture, to rich conversations with them about a color-filled world. And I only share all this with you as your pastor today because I want to invite you to do the same. They will grow up in this church. They are your children too. I want to invite you today. No, I want to challenge you. I want you to struggle alongside of me. To see with others' eyes. Because it has become apparent to me that our generation must do the hard work of ridding ourselves of residual racism left over from previous generations. We've got to enter into this struggle. We've got to have conversations. We've got to forge new friendships. Ask hard questions. Give one another extra grace. Could I say this Today, and have you hear the heart of a daddy. I need my church to do this. Katina needs our church to do this. I need you to have the hard conversations. I need white people to ask black people hard questions. To get down to the truth of what their lens really looks like. I need black people to ask white people hard questions. To deep, to have a deep search, a deep dive into what this really is. There is an undercurrent. There is a system. There are conversations that go on that we would never say when we're in mixed company. But here's the reality now. For me, every day of my life is mixed company. And I pray the same for all of you. That every day we could live in mixed company. So I want you to enter into the struggle. I want our church to enter into this struggle. To look through the other's lens. To say a prayer similar to what I prayed that night with Janiah and Maya James asleep in their beds. Give me their eyes. And to hear the Lord say to you, I'm not, I'm not just inviting you, I'm not just inviting them into your white world. If you're white, if you're black, I'm not just inviting them into your black world, I'm inviting you into their white world, or I'm inviting you into their black world. Let's be invited into the other's world. Let's struggle with each other to understand why it matters so much. Look the reality is no matter what is going on in our world right now, no matter what our opinions are about these national headlines. The reality is this. It's not so much what is right and wrong out there. It's not so much about the the law of the land. It's the spirit of the conversation. Do we want to be in community with one another? Do we want to have conversations and get to the next level in this conversation about race in our country? And I believe that we can be the church to help in our community with that conversation. But the only way that's going to happen is if we use the Jesus lens. You got to put down your lens you got to find a way into the other's lens. But the real way forward for black and white people is to say yes to the Jesus lens. You know, Paul once said in Galatians, just a few verses back from where we read, In Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And yet, and yet, when we come together to worship in person one day soon, it is still the most divided hour in America. I want that to end. If there's a dream that I have alongside of Martin Luther King Jr.'s is that I would lead a church, be a part of a church that would see that end. As Janiah and my James grow up in their daddy's church, that they would see people of color leading. That they would see conversations rich and beautiful. That they would... Be able to be fully embraced in every single way. That only happens if we can put on the Jesus lens to say, give us your eyes, Jesus. Because we want to see the world the way you see it. To see people the way you see them. To stand up and to speak and to share together in this. I get it today that I have a unique seat as a transracial family, but really it should be in all of our homes. Maybe that's the next step in this grand movement, in this this generation's time. Maybe the next step is that it comes into all of our homes and we all struggle with the conversations together and we all desire to look through the Jesus lens. Jesus taught us, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. We are to love your neighbor as yourself. Look, today I come to you with great hope. I do. I come to you with great hope. There was a moment in time I was so silent. I didn't know what to say, what to do. I'm looking at my little girls and I'm praying. But I come to you with great hope today. It was, it was only 1865, and I say only in the grand scheme of history. It was only 1865 when slavery officially ended, just in the 1960s when the Civil Rights Movement occurred. We have come really far in a short period of time. It may not seem like it, but upon further reflection, we truly have. But it is our turn to move the needle, to take the next step and to be the change. So on this Father's Day, I want to be a good father to my white and my black children. I came to this day knowing that one day, Janaya and Maya James will watch this sermon. They will hear their daddy's words as grown, adult Black women, and I pray that when they hear these words, that they will look and say, "That's my daddy." Just as much as any one of us on this Father's Day love it when their children run up to them and say. You're the best daddy. I want to hear that phrase just like I heard it last week, right out of Janiah's lips. But I want to hear it as an adult from her. You're the best daddy. So I'm going to do my best to borrow their eyes so that those eyes can guide me the rest of my life. And I'm challenging you today to borrow the eyes of one another Go borrow the eyes of one of your black friends. Go borrow the eyes of one of your white friends and have some real conversations and struggle together in the name of Jesus Christ. You know, Martin Luther King Jr. said on April 3rd, 1968, one of the most powerful quotes, highly prophetic days ahead of his assassination. When he says, well, I don't know what will happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead. But it doesn't matter with me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind. Like any man, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will and he's allowed me to go up the mountain and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land and I'm happy tonight. I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. I love that quote and I share that with you today because I tell my children all the time that they are my greatest hope. For they will enter a world that I will never see. And my prayer is that they take the best of me, the good news of Jesus Christ, and deliver it to the next generation. The blessing... God has given me is there will be white voices and black voices within my family that will share in that future. And I claim that on this Father's Day 2020. So here's the reality for us, church. Jesus has already set people free. Jesus has already set us free from the bondage of this racism Jesus has already set us free for joyful obedience, to be filled with that joy and that hope and that love and that peace to move the needle forward for the next generation, for the next century. Jesus has already set people free, but you know what? It's not real until every person experiences that freedom for themselves. So, white people, black people, my brothers and sisters, we need to be freed. From the bondage of racism. And we are almost home. We are almost home. There's a song that came out last year, I believe. It was a song by Mercy Me. And when it first came out, I didn't really, uh, you know, have any real strong feelings toward the song, one way or the other. It was a good song. It was called We're Almost Home. It was interesting. I was actually uh, mowing grass Uh, this past week and just had a radio station on and this song came on in the midst of me thinking through all of this. And this song put all of this into perspective for me. In just a moment, the band is going to play this song, and I pray that you might have your own quiet moment of deep reflection in your living room or wherever you happen to be watching this. Mercy Me sings Are you disappointed? Are you desperate for help? You know what it's like to be tired and only a shell of yourself. This is this conversation to me about racism. When you start to believe you don't have what it takes, And I'll be honest, I don't have what it takes to be any kind of real voice. But I'm doing my best for my girls. Because it's all you can do, they write, just to move, much less finish the race. And then they say, but don't forget what lies ahead. We're almost home. Brother, it won't be long. Soon all your burdens will be gone. With all your strength, sister, run wild, run free. Hold up your head. Keep pressing on. We are almost home. And I want you to feel that for our generation. We are almost home. Let's move the needle and push this over the edge. They go on to sing, I know that the cross has brought heaven to us, but make no mistake, there's still more to come. There's more work that we need to do. Where we are right now and where we're meant to be, when all that's been lost has been made whole again, when these tears and this pain no longer exist, no more walking, we're running as fast as we can. Consider this, our second wind. Let me tell you today, I believe that today begins our second wind. So lean in with me real quickly. Let's be the church in this community that Pike Road desperately needs for all God's children. Let's be the church in Pike Road that this church needs for black children, for white children, for every child. Let's be the church in Pike Road that puts our community first. That is our core values We want to be a place where we put our community first, the entire community. We want to be a place where relationships matter. And you know what? If relationships matter, then on this day, we claim it that black relationships matter and white relationships matter to us. That we want to be that kind of church. Where we are growing forever, that is our third core value. We want to grow forever. And that means that for this guy, I am going to grow forever trying to wear the lens of my little girls. And I'm inviting you to wear that lens as well. And the last core value is to do it all with adventure. You know what? I can think of no better adventure than the Jesus adventure. And I'm telling you right now, if you take this whole conversation and you say, you know what? I'm going to dive into this a little deeper. I'm going to peel back the onion layer. I'm going to make this a priority. I promise you it'll be an adventure. And it will be one that when we get to the other side, we'll truly taste and see that the Lord is good and we'll experience that promised land that has long been talked about. So today, church,
0: my prayer for you Is that you would help my girls
1: and help your children and help our town and beyond be a place where real conversations are happening, where we no longer cover things up, pretend they don't exist, and where we truly find our voice as the church of Jesus Christ speaking the good news to
0: all God's people.
1: Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we bow before you today and we give you thanks and praise. God, from a daddy's heart, who you brought me to my knees not too long ago, I thank you, God, for the words that you gave me That you didn't just invite Janiah and Maya James into my white world. That you invited me into their black world. God, I pray for our church family today. That we would hear that invitation ourselves. That we might put down our own lens and pick up another's lens that's unlike us. But ultimately, God, that we would put on the Jesus lens. And we would courageously travel this road with you as we become your church in this community for this day, for this time, for this generation. That God, that you are inviting us into a wonderful adventure where relationships truly matter, where we can really grow and struggle and experience your grace, and truth. So, Lord, help us today. Help each person in their struggles and help us, God, to be the people that you have called us to be.
0: Help us, God. Help us to pass on
1: the legacy of the living God, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And the good news that all people have been set free. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, Amen.
0: Are you disappointed? Are you desperate for help? Know what it's like to be tired And only a shell of yourself You start to believe You don't have what it takes Cause it's all you can do Just to move, much less finish the race But don't forget What lies ahead brother in law this road will be hard but we win in the end simply because of Jesus in us it's not if but when so take joy in the journey even when it feels long find strength in each step knowing heaven is cheering you on Heaven to us, make no mistake, there's still more to come When our flesh and our bone are no longer between When we are right now where we're meant to be When all that's been lost been made whole again When these tears and this pain no longer exist No more walking, we're running as fast as we can Consider this our second wind, oh,
4: powerful message this morning. I'm thankful for the challenge in my own life to examine the lens that I am using each day and know that I also have work to do within our own home to make sure we are always using the lens of Jesus. My name is Laura Wallace and I'm the Executive Director of Ministries here at Century Church. And we are so glad that you joined us for online worship this morning. As we prepare to close today, I want to remind you that Century is always available to pray for you and help you with any needs you may have. You can email us with a prayer request at prayer at century.church or add a prayer request through our Century Church app. And if you find yourself in need of something, please email missions at century.church to get help from our missions team through the Century Collective. If you are interested in being baptized, joining Century or learning more about our Century class, please email me at connect at century.church. Last, I want to make sure you have your calendars marked for our very first drive-in worship service on our land on July 12th. Men, we hope you enjoy your day and have fun with our Father's Day building contest. We look forward to seeing you again next week live at 9:30. Have a great week.